0: Hello, and welcome to Global Data Themes Instant Insights. At Global Data, we define a theme as something that keeps a CEO awake at night, as businesses that invest in important themes will succeed, and those that don't, will fail. Hello, and welcome to Instant Insights. I'm Emma Taylor, and today I'll be talking to Renee Morkos, CEO of Alice Technologies and Adjunct professor at Stanford University. Today we'll be focusing on AI applications in the construction industry. So, what do you see as uh, the main applications of of AI in the construction industry over the next over the coming years, the next few years? A good question um i think
1: i you know i always say define artificial and define intelligence right um i think people sort of really put ai on, on so many things uh the, the 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 field of artificial intelligence is very very broad artificial intelligence um lately you know somebody i you know read a paper that it says define as whatever wasn't done thus far the latest version of AI is is large language models yeah um
0: those are the algorithms needed for generative ai uh like chat gpt and things like that
1: like very powerful beautiful technology i do actually think that's going to change things my Mm -hmm. prediction and, and we'll see if i'm correct is that i don't think that it will replace humans entirely so i think that it's going to do a lot of the like heavy duty lifting but you still sort of need the human to tell it what to lift and interpret the results. And we see this pattern over and over again. The human tends to do a piece of work, and then what the AI does is it does some of the crunching. And what the human's role becomes is set up what needs to be crunched and interpret the results. And so I think we're going to see a lot of that moving forward.
0: Right, yeah. So the human working in conjunction um, with, with the AI. and And what about more sort of... Industry-specific applications.
1: Um, things you know that I, I think that are like low-hanging fruit in our field. Here's a few examples that come to mind. Sifting through 600 pages specification. You know why would you want to do that? And you could ask the system, Hey, give me you know the the um, the information that, that pertains to X or Y or Z. Um, I think um, what we're seeing is is the ability to create 3D models automatically. So you'll sort of see that. We've been experimenting with with sort of using LLMs to generate schedules. And there's things that it can know do and things that it can't do. I think, for example, that um, you'll be able to use AI to sift through your company's database and tell you, like, your average production rates for a given
0: mm. task. So it's more about sort of increasing productivity rather than replacing anybody.
1: The, the, the question I like to ask my students is... Um, you know, you can mine an Amazon and serve for, for three cents. So if you're gonna base your career on crunching, like a lot of prior careers were, then you know, I hope you're satisfied with a with a salary of three cents an hour.
0: Mm.
1: However, you are the entity that's that's doing the crunching, then you're gonna have a long and lucrative career. So the 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 question that you want to ask yourself is is how many machines do you control? And that's a fascinating thought because when you start thinking about it, like What's really dramatically changed in our world, and that this trend has been ongoing for you know 20 years, is the cost of compute is getting slower and lower and lower and lower. The cost per thousand dollars, um, what a thousand dollars can get you is, is insane. You know, computers have been doubling in speed every roughly 18 months for 50 years. What's happening as a result is that the the access that you have to computing power, and now with cloud computing, like right today, like. Your computer is almost like a portal. You know, all applications are web-based and and you're sort of reaching out to a server somewhere and stretching it for you. And so as you start building, the the cost of software is getting exponentially lower. So I I actually think it's just an unparalleled opportunity. I actually think that the, the general contractor of the future is going to be successful based on how quickly they can identify, evaluate, and integrate new technologies.
0: What do you think people should be wary of? Like, where do you think the risks lie?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's why I said identify, evaluate. What's happening suddenly, right, is that you've got this explosion of technologies. And so it's no longer a question like, you know, should we try it or not? It's what do we try?
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And, 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 you know, companies were talking, when I started this in 2015, Construction companies were like, you know, you do like what, like like a, wait, you bring in AI to construction, like that's kind of nuts. Today, they're they're suffering from from like startup fatigue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The other thing that's really interesting is that the, you know one of the questions I asked myself was why do startups exist, you know, and I I thought about this and like everybody tells you like oh because we work harder and we're smarter and you know and I, the one thing you learn at a place like Stanford is like you're not smarter, you know. <laughs> and And so I sort of thought to myself, like these companies like some of the companies we talk to are are not in the tens of billions of dollars. So, so like why does a company like Alice exist? and And the answer is simple. it's It's that startups are effectively the the outsourced research and development arms of these large companies. It's also these large companies that r and d is really expensive and hard and difficult. It doesn't work. So why don't we outsource it? Why don't we create, you know, why don't we have a thousand startups all trying and failing? And when one of them starts working, we'll just use that tech or we'll buy it. You watch this trend, which is crazy. Like 2015, I'm telling you, there's like probably two, three companies in the US um, that had like an, an, someone thinking about innovation. Seven years later, probably in our 400, I would tell you that 50% of them have some sort of a innovation, framework innovation person leader who is responsible for exactly this figuring out what it is that we're doing and that's a really you know interesting beautiful strategic question because what you're thinking about is hey you know what does my company want to achieve what do we need to do where are we headed right what do i think my actual advantage is you know over my competition and how is technology going to help me better hone that, that advantage? And how is it going to help me better maintain it?
0: How much do these, like, sort of bigger companies work in conjunction with, with startups, you know, like Alice? Like, surely it would be beneficial for them to work quite closely with them, you know, in terms of, like, data and just creating a product that that suits them.
1: Um, When we started in 2015, there was a lot of, um, like... I don't know if fear is the right word, but, but a little bit of distrust, you yeah. know, like data, what do you even do with it, et cetera. Right? And I think, you know, this is now seven years on and, and I, the, the, the sort of construction, as I call it, the renaissance, right, happened in 2017. That's when it flipped, right? Construction went from being the ugly duck nobody wanted to detect to so suddenly, hey, this is the sexiest thing in the world. It's going to be the next industry to get, you know, changed. Um, why was that? You know, I, I thought about this. I think there's several reasons. One, what we have really needed in construction is the input to construction to get digitized. And the input to construction is is the design. And the design, truthfully, the technology for, for digitizing the design has existed since the 80s. Object-oriented and parametric. So in our field, we call object-oriented parametric technology BIM, building information model. That's fundamentally what it is. BIM is parametric and object-oriented. And so the problem wasn't that the technology didn't exist. The processors weren't fast enough to crunch buildings. Models of, of construction buildings or construction projects are larger and more complicated than the models of engines. And so um, BIM wasn't really usable. People would come and like, how big is a model? It's 20 megabytes. It's three stories. It's how many megabytes? Like, you know, how big is this this 3D model? Obrigado into parametric representation of what we're building. That started to change in 2015. The machines caught up and, mm-hmm. and they were starting to crunch these, these, um, they were able to start crunching things this large. So that's one factor. Another factor was introduction of cloud computing, which meant that you suddenly had access to a lot more data. And for our field, especially because it was so fragmented, there's so many different parties and so many different people, right? I think that was important. Another aspect of cloud computing is that you had access to this large amount of compute power. Construction is is the the second least digitized industry, not because we are lazy, you know, lazier and dumber than other fields. We're the last to get digitized because inherently the stuff that we're working on is way harder to digitize than other stuff. That's why we've been solving manually because the computers weren't able to crunch it. Now you've got access to the cloud. Now you've got access to you know an an hour on the Amazon EC2 is three cents.
0: Yeah. Would you also say like? one of perhaps the reasons that that it took a bit longer as well is that you know the stakes are high in construction
1: I totally agree we're in an industry that's similar to healthcare mm. in, the, in the way that it adopts the innovation why well in healthcare if you screw up someone dies in construction not only if you screw up someone dies but you have a 3% profit margin
0: yeah
1: think about that you you're running you're a project manager for a 100 million dollar job you have $3 million that's your, basically, I effed it up budget. Anything that happens on that construction site, if if if, it, if you mess up more than more than 3%, and you're in a business where you are managing large amounts of capital, labor equipment, labor equipment, and machinery, right? Other materials. It's, it's a... It's a highly complex operation that has a razor-thin margin for error. So yeah, I do agree with mm. you.
0: And is there anywhere you can think of within the construction um, process lifecycle that you can see will continue to, to have to stay, like, done by humans? Like, can you see anywhere where AI will not be appropriate?
1: If, if I had the answer to that question right I mean the one thing that you sort of realize when you come to Silicon Valley is like trust me there's no conspiracy or master plan you know mm-hmm. there's just a lot of very smart people working you know 24 7 um on on ideas and so like you know what what which aspect of the of this experience will will humans be like will humans be safe from I could tell you that in my opinion I I don't think any any job will not be like changed by AI. Ah. Here's the good news. Um and, and this is sort of a deep dark secret but this was actually even discussed at, at, at our faculty in the sense that there are, a, there are a lot of really boring jobs in construction and I and I really think that AI enables those jobs to be a lot less boring right because
0: you get to focus on the more creative aspects or or whatever and yeah take away the monotonous like the example you mentioned like sifting sifting through hundreds of of specs and things yeah. i think one of the things
1: that's interesting is that like here's a here's a I'll let an old school example right but when you look at sap 2000 structural analysis program you know did it put structural engineers out of business no you know the 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 truth is that at the end of the day, you still need a structural engineer to sign off to this building. It's not going to fall over. Mm. One of the things that's interesting about neural networks, which, which LLMs are, are based on, but um, one of the things that's interesting about neural nets is that they have two very interesting... They have a very, very, very powerful upside, but they have two very powerful downsides, and most people don't realize that. And so... The, the the thing that's really, really powerful about a neural net is that you don't need to explain to it how to solve the problem. Google had an algorithm that they set loose on the internet, and the darn thing came back and figured out what cats look like. And I remember going like, wow, this like blew my mind, right? I was just like, that's kind of crazy. Because think about it, like, try to explain what 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 makes a cat a cat. You know, like, well, it's got whiskers, but, you know, so, so lions and tigers and, and lots of other animals. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's got a tail. Like, it's a really kind of devilishly difficult problem. But what neural nets enable you to do is to, like, load up 10,000 pictures of cats, and then the software starts to, you know, it gets better and better and better. And at some point, it becomes really darn good.
0: But, well, I guess by, by dictating the rules of what defines a cat, you could actually, like, limit limit its yes. potential completely yes,
1: yes. Yeah, absolutely but 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 here's the downside ask a neural net okay explain to me what makes a cat a cat you know what you'll get you'll get a bunch of numbers between zero and one for the various parameters in the neural net
0: yeah that's how it works well, it doesn't that understand me- the environment right
1: literally that's how it works like it, it is it, it is completely incapable of explaining to you how I did it because it, it's like well how I did it is I've got a network of neurons and each of those neurons has a value between one to zero to one that's an, an easy way to sort of you know visualize it for the, the, the listeners who are not familiar with neural nets but that's basically it so that's the one downside is you can't explain it the mm-hmm. other I think major downside is that they tend to they, they're never 100 percent accurate yeah. Now, you even see that with, with you know, GBT4.
0: Mm. It,
1: it's great. And 90, and with, with visual stuff, right? You know, you'll get a 98% accuracy. Yeah, that's like considered absolutely world-class. Usually it's 80, 85, 90, something like that. You know, But here's the question to you. If you are designing a building, right, Um, are you, you know, happy that it's 98% of the time not going to fall over?
0: <laughs> no, no. Well, I would expect my house to not fall over 100% of the time.
1: Yes. Now, the thing with, you know, what we've developed at Alice is you have an underlying constraint model you can go in and tweak it. Right? That you can definitely tweak something that that GPT created, but you, you don't have access to the un, like to the underlying mechanism of how it was created if that makes sense.
0: Mm. And do you think that's just an underlying limitation of, of like large language models, or do you think that that is something that, that they could that could be rectified?
1: Um, I actually think that is a, an underlying limitations of LLMs. I I don't believe that you'll be able to like fix that. That it's just how they work. Mm. Like the upside is that you get this like incredibly powerful technology, that that does all these like magical mystical things. I still think that you you want, like, you still want a human to check it.
0: Well, that's the thing. And, like, if you have to get the human to check every single calculation that 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 model is then done, then, like, is that really saving much time? I don't know
1: if you have to get it. it. Like, here's the deal, right? If you're using structural analysis program, right, which is an old school example, but you you still get to check. um, There's faster ways to do it. Right. So. Like, if it gives you the first draft, right, it should be easier for you to, like, go and create the second draft. Mm. If it created something like, and, and and this is the part where, like, I don't, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm, what I'm telling you is stuff that I have sort of picked up on in Silicon Valley and, like, looking at all these technologies, you know, for, you know, I've been in, in the Valley since 2009. So those are, like, two three sort of aspects of the of this technology right which is one really powerful you don't have to explain to it how to do it but the downside is it can't explain to you how it did it and um it's not 100 percent accurate and so when you're thinking of writing an essay like who gives a shit, right like okay it made some mistakes you just correct them and move on but In certain cases you actually care very deeply whether it's made some mistakes and you care very deeply about understanding how you know how it created what it created
0: yeah for sure and and is alice technologies using using any generative ai products or looking into any generative ai products or do you think other ai applications are more appropriate for you
1: Oh, no, no. We're actually definitely using it. Um, we've done several things. I mean, the low-hanging fruit was we got it to read our um, user manual. And um, it's actually pretty darn good at, like, answering questions on how to use it. <laughs> um, oh, nice.
0: I mean, that's yeah. the best thing about it, right? Like, some sum- summarizing uh, fed content. That's yep. where it excels.
1: And, and I personally think that there's going to be a big application for it in terms of setting up some of the input that you need. In the sense of like reading, um, you know, give me the production rates for pouring concrete for you know, this location, right? Right. Uh, I think that you can do various things like that with it.
0: Yeah. I guess it's just about knowing which applications it is best suited to and having you know the expertise uh, to integrate it appropriately but amazing well thank you so much renee i think that's all we've got time for um but thanks for talk- coming to talk to me today thank you for listening and from us in thematic intelligence we will see you next time